Be seated. We have uh, been on a series here on on wisdom, and last week we looked at being simple. Today we're looking at being foolish. And there are how many have ever seen those warning labels that are on machinery and things that you would buy? There's a, a really neat list of some warning labels on some machinery, and I wanted to read a few of them for you here. Uh, here's here's one. A label on a snow sled which says, beware, sled may develop high speed under certain snow conditions. A fishing lure has this warning label, harmful if swallowed. Now, what's really interesting is in order for there to be a warning label, you have to imagine somebody must have tried it. (laughs) You don't just throw that on there. Somebody must have tried it. Why does McDonald's warn us about their hot coffee? Yeah, we know why. A warning on an electric router. Anybody know what an electric router is? Carpenters use those. Cautions, this product not intended for use as a dental drill. A warning label found on a baby stroller cautions the user to remove child before folding. A container of underarm deodorant says, caution, do not spray in eyes. A cartridge for a laser printer warns, do not eat toner. And this one's laughable. A cardboard con- uh, car- cardboard car shield. You know those, those things, they, they, uh, they have the sun, box of sun. Keeps the sun off the dashboard. It re- reads this, uh, this way. Do not drive with sun shield in place. <laughs> it is something. And we would think that people who have done these things, we would classify as... Foolish. Yes, stupid, dumb. We might also throw them in there as well. We've been on this uh, series here for about uh, eight eight weeks or so and just wanted to give you a a bigger review than we usually do because I want you to see the whole picture of of wisdom from the Word of God. We began in the series and we looked at the different types of wisdom. And we saw looking at the life of Absalom and the life of Rehoboam that there are three different kinds of wisdom. First off, there is godly wisdom which is infallible. This is not in your outline. This is not in your notes. But if you have missed any of these, you can go up online. You can download the outlines for free and you can listen to all the things that went before for free. They're all up there for you. Uh, Godly, it is infallible. Second one we saw was devilish. It is an immoral wisdom. Devilish, it's an immoral wisdom. We saw this with Absalom in the counsel that he received from Ahithophel. It was immoral. It would get the job done, but it's immoral. There is wisdom that comes to you that will get the job done, but it lacks morals. It is not godly. Stay away from it. The Word of God tells us that. There is godly, which is infallible. There is devilish, which is immoral. Then there is man's, which is inadequate. We saw man's wisdom with Rehoboam. It wasn't necessarily devilish. It was just stupid. And he he took it and lost most of the kingdom. We saw that growth... Or just, we can have growth or destruction through our associations. We saw this with Ahithophel. When Ahithophel was associated with David, he grew to become the wisest counselor in the kingdom. When he separated that association with David, he started on a downward pattern. He got to a place where he was able to give wisdom. They said his, his words were like the wisdom of God. He was able to give devilish wisdom. That's how far he had fallen. And eventually he died. Be careful because the enemy wants to sever you from associations which are helpful. 
Be careful of those. We looked at how to despise the wisdom of God because many people do despise the wisdom of God. We looked at how to how to do it so we can make sure that we don't. First off, the way that you despise the wisdom of God is to hear it but don't recognize it. Secondly, pretend it is wise only to talk it down later. Have you ever had people, they've been, you, you've sp- you share with them the wisdom of God and oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I, I should do that and they go away and they talk it down. That's despising the wisdom of God. Give into a deceitful mouth and separate yourself from the life force given to you. We saw in the word of God that there is life in your heart, in your spirit. And from your mouth, you speak it out. When you separate yourself from your mouth speaking that life force, you hinder your life. You hinder your growth. Make sure you don't do it. Your words that come out of your mouth, you make sure that they are true, that uh, you don't get into lies. And with that, we saw with Daniel that walking in wisdom brings favor. How many like that favor in their life? Well, the life of Daniel, we saw that he had favor. And the time to walk in a way that brings favor is before you need it. (laughs) You cannot walk in a way to gain favor when you need it. You need to walk in the way to gain favor before you need it so that when you need it, it's there. We saw that in the life of Daniel. We saw in the life of Samson, things that corrupt. Three things, bad people, bad promises, and bad pursuits. We looked at the three of those things that the Word of God had to say about bad people, bad promises, and bad pursuits. Bad people can become attached to us in three different levels, three different ways. Physical, emotional, and spiritual. This is all just review. You can go back for it and, and get that. Last week, we looked at don't be simple. There are four different types of people in the world. The, the Bible tells us four different classifications of people. Now, you, depending upon what you're looking at, you can come up with all kinds of classifications. But we're looking at this this way. As far as wisdom is concerned, there are four. There is the wise. There is the simple. There is... Um, lost it. The wise is simple, the foolish, and the last one was scornful. The wise, the simple, the foolish, and the scornful. Last week, we took a lot of time to look at the simple and the scornful, mostly the simple. And one of the things we looked at was that wisdom by itself contains some things. That discernment is found inherent in understanding. If we have an understanding, we have discernment. It comes packaged right in there. Discernment helps us to determine what is of value. Without discernment, I cannot tell what has value. If I have discernment in the area of jewelry, I can tell what jewelry is valuable and what jewelry is not. If I have discernment in the area of coins, I can tell what coins are valuable and what coins are not. We talked about people who were on those uh, shows what are they called? Uh, looters? Is that what the, the not looters, um, hoarders, uh, something like that. Yeah. They hoard all this stuff. They have a house full of things because they lost the discernment to understand what is valuable and what is not. And so they are keeping things that have no value. They get so bad, they begin to keep their own trash. And that becomes even a health problem. They lack discernment. Understanding contains discernment. Wisdom contains understanding. If we are to get wisdom, wisdom comes with understanding. It comes with discernment. It comes with all those things. Now, here's the problem. If wisdom came to us labeled as wisdom, we would grab it every single time. Unfortunately, it does not. It comes to us 
And we not, not everybody recognizes wisdom as being wisdom. They don't recognize that wisdom contains understanding. Wisdom contains discernment. If you do not have wisdom, you probably are lacking both of those things. And people that are simple, people that are simple, sometimes have some discernment on what is valuable, but they lack understanding. Remember the example we used for these folks? We used the example of pasta sauce because, just simply because I like pasta sauce. That was the only reason for it. I love, that's my favorite thing is pasta sauce. I love going to a restaurant and just checking out the new pasta sauce, see what it's like, see if it's good. Now, I, we told you, a wise person in the area of pasta sauce, if you, if you sample the pasta sauce and you are a wise person in regard to pasta sauce, then when you taste it, you can say, oh, that's a nice balance of basil, thyme, and garlic. And you can pull all the different things out that are in there. I told you last week, and nothing has changed, I am simple in the area of pasta sauce. Pasta sauce. I simply, if I taste it, I can say, oh, that's good. Or, no, it's not so good. I don't know why. I just know that one's good. I'm simple in the area of pasta sauce. Why? Because I don't have discernment and I don't have understanding. If I taste pasta sauce, I cannot discern the parts of the pasta sauce. All I can discern is the end product. Is it good? Is it not? That's, that's it. Do I like it? Do I not? And so that's the example we use with, with that. A wise person can break it down. Oh, it needs a little more. And he's a little less, and they can tell you exactly what it is to make that good, to make that better. A simple person just says it's good. My wife will say to me, how's it taste? I say, it tastes fine. doesn't need anything. I don't know. I don't know. We've been married all these years. She'll still ask me, and I'll still tell I don't know. I don't have that discerning ability. I can tell you if it's good. I can tell you if I like it. That's about it. <laughs> it's, it's, once in a while, I might be able to pick up too much salt. Not enough salt, something like that, but there isn't a whole lot of discernment in me, nor is there a lot of understanding into how all those things come about. I simply, you know, if I'm going to make pasta sauce, I follow a recipe. And, you know, we make, we make things, you know, there's, there's measuring cups and there are measuring spoons in the house, I think only because of me and my son. We're about the only ones who use them. Everyone else, the ladies in the family, they, they, they need a little more of this, a little bit of this, and they just kind of dump and pour and they just go to town. We use the measuring cups. If, only, if you want a cup of flour, you're getting a cup of flour. Exactly. You're not getting less than, you're getting exactly a cup of flour. And that's just how we, just how we do it. So, a wise person will know exactly what the pasta sauce needs, why it's good, why it's not. A simple person just says it's good, it's not good. A foolish person says, I don't like that at all. A furthest person is not able <laughs> to determine what their actions will bring in the future. And they will say whatever it is that they feel. That's a foolish person. That's the thing we saw in the Word of God. A foolish person says what they feel. <laughs> that came right out of Proverbs. If you missed that, it's on the, on the uh, lesson from last, last time. They just they say what they feel. If you say what you feel, you are a... And I didn't call you that. The Bible did. There's the wise, there's the simple, there's the foolish who just says whatever it is that they feel. And then there's a scornful. Scornful person would say, well, if you made it, there's no way it could be good. That's a scornful person. That's a person who's against you. That's a person who's against the things that are, that are coming in there. Uh, oh, that's not sauce. I can make a better one than that. That's a scornful person right there. So there's the wise, there's the simple, there's the foolish and the scornful. We need to get out of being simple. We need to get out of being foolish. We need to get out of being scornful. And we took some time and we looked at the disciples. The disciples asked a simple 
question. It was a question based on simplicity. We also examined this. All questions are not good. People have often gone around and said there's no, no stupid questions. Yes, there are. I have been asked some. How about you? Have you been asked some stupid questions? Absolutely. We don't, we don't, who's that, who's that comedian that comes on TV once in a while? Uh, here's your sign. No, it's not Foxworthy. This is one of his buddies. It's a, what is it? Bill, Bill Engel. He comes up there. He has that, that routine. He does, here's your sign. You know, cause, uh, you're, it's a, it's a stupid sign. It's, <laughs> if you've you ever seen it, it is, it's comical. It's fun. I like those two. They generally keep their, at least every time I've seen them, they keep their comedy clean. I know that Foxworthy is a born again believer. I'm pretty sure Ed is too, but I'm not as positive on him. But, but Jeff is always out there talking about the Lord. And that's, uh, that's good. Anyway, we looked at the disciples. They asked a simple question. They came up to a man who was blind from birth and they said, Master, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus said, neither. They were, they were wrong in their assumption. Their assumption was that somebody sinned. There's a lot of times the questions are asked based on a wrong assumption, based on a lack of understanding. That's a stupid question. If you ask a simple question, you are likely to get an answer that is not beneficial and even harmful. You are setting yourself up for that. Do not ask simple questions or questions out of simplicity. Questions need to be born of understanding. If you have a question born of understanding, you will gain in understanding and you will grow. If you have a question born of simplicity where you are not fully understanding the thing, you're just asking a question, you are generally going to be deceived. You're going to go in the wrong direction. What a disciple had asked the Pharisees at? Imagine the answer they would have gotten from that. But uh, situational ethics, remember we talked about that a little bit? People are always trying to give you two choices. Here go two choices. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and they did that as well. Here's a woman caught in the very act of adultery. The very act of adultery. Should we stone her or should we not stone her? Now, basically, that would seem like, all right, we got two choices here. Either we're going to stone her or we're not going to stone her. We saw that they brought the woman caught in the very act of adultery. We saw that they were missing something. Because you cannot commit adultery alone. So they didn't bring somebody alone. There's a reason for that. We got into all that last time. But they asked this. These are scornful people. They are asking a question born of scornfulness. And they asked this simply to trip him up. That's a bad question. But Jesus got a good answer in there. And uh, they were saying, you know, who's, who, who, what should we do? Stone her or not stone her? And Jesus got down to the ground and he wrote. In the, and then eventually, you know, they said, come on, answer us. Answer well, who's? And he stood up and said, he who is out, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. He went back and he, doing the standard speculation as to what he was drawing and so forth. But whatever it was, one by one they left, and they went. And at the end, Jesus said, "Where are your accusers?" And she said, "They've gone." He says, "Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more." Jesus is not so much against the sin as he is trying to get the sinner to come to God. He wants that relationship to be there. You get that relationship. We were talking about this in the uh, Alpha meeting training that we were doing. If you get people turned on to a relationship with God, the sins fall off. If you try and get people to be perfect without a relationship with God, you'll have religion. God wants to have something more than that. He doesn't want you to have religion. He wants you to go into, into other areas. Well, we looked at more about the simple questions and, and simple answers and, and things like that. That was in... Uh, Last week. 
So let's go on here over to this week. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. He's pretty clear on this, isn't he? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So he says, beware of false prophets. And he says, by their fruits, you will know them. Here's the problem. We come in, we try and judge false prophets, false teachers, false people by their works. Not by their fruit. You cannot judge a false prophet, a false teacher by their works. You can only judge them by their fruit. It's a big difference. Jesus is even going to uh, tell us, we'll look at this scripture in just a little while. But many have said in my name, called me Lord, Lord. We, hey, we cast out demons in your name. What's that? That's a work. And what does Jesus say? Depart from me, I never knew you. Works do not determine the validity of a ministry. It is the fruit. What are the fruits? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Everything else is an outgrowth of love. Because the fruit of the Spirit is singular, love. Everything else comes out of love. These are things that are fruits. Those are the things you can judge it by. Look at the patience. Look at the love. Look at the long-suffering. These are the things that should be there. So the wise will recognize a false prophet. The fool will follow after them. Why? Well, I feel like he's, uh, he's okay. Well, I feel like he's, uh, he's, he's a good ministry. What do you base it on? I don't know. I, base it, I, just, I feel like he's all right. What's the word of God say? Go by your feelings. Go by their works. No, he says, judge them by their fruits. In fact, if you want to, go on back when you're at home today. Count how many times he uses the word fruit in this paragraph. And get the idea. He's trying to get you to get the picture here. Fruit. Fruit. Get the judging by the fruit. The wise will listen to what Jesus says. They will hear what he says and they will see it as wisdom, which contains understanding, which contains discernment. The wise will recognize false prophets. The fool will follow them. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven. The fruits of the will of the Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So the wise pursue a two-way relationship with the Lord. That's the wise. The relationship is between me and God and between God and me. He knows me. I know him. It's a two-way relationship. That's the wise. That's what the wise will do. The fool is content with knowing about God. That is a fool. Don't be content with knowing about God. Get God to know you. Because he said, I never knew you. How does he get to know you? I mean, we already know God knows us. He knows about us. You get to know him by spending time with him. Make sure you have that, that going on. That's the wise and the fool. 
Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. This is the part we really wanted to get into, but I'd like to at least get some of the context of what Jesus was teaching here. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Here's how he describes a wise man. You heard the wisdom of God, you heard the word of God, and you did it. That's the difference. The wise person heard it and did it. Now, some people don't even pursue to hear it. They're generally the scornful. But a wise man is one who hears it and does it. Are you doing the things that God has told you to do in his word? If you're doing the things that God has taught you in his word, then you are wise. It's the purpose why we get together for church. It's the purpose why we uh, read the Bible. It's the purpose why we listen to uh, podcasts and tapes and CDs and so forth. So that we can learn the word that God can speak to us. Once I learn the word, I do the word. That's what we have to do. The wise will hear and do. Without understanding, I can't do it. I have to have understanding in order to do it. Just the knowledge isn't, isn't enough. I have, to, I have to understand it. I have to hear it and I have to know it. How many of you may know some parts about how to fix a car? But to actually get out there and do it takes more understanding than you have. Without understanding, I, I just can't do it. Understanding doesn't just come with hearing. When we hear, we pursue it. How many of y'all, y'all know this one real easy. You sat in class and you heard the teaching about Spanish. You heard the teaching about English. You heard the teaching about chemistry. You heard the teaching about trigonometry. But was there understanding? <laughs> some of you may have understood on, on some things. But there were, how many of y'all know? There were some stuff we sat there and we listened to and we said, oh, I don't get this at all. We come out of class and say, I don't understand. I heard, but I don't understand. How did you gain the understanding so that you could pass the test? You studied. You went after it. You met with the teacher. You had a one-on-one session. You got some group study sessions going on. You pursued it. You, you, you did the homework. You went after it. And after you kept doing it and doing it and doing it, oh, now I understand. Now I get it. I've told you this story before. When I went through algebra the first time, I did not get it. I struggled with algebra. I came out with a C, but I, oh, I struggled with algebra. When we went through and we were homeschooling our kids and I taught my daughter algebra, I got it. Got it. Got it that time. It was a whole, I don't know why, I look at that and said, why was this so hard for me to understand? I understand this now. I don't know. But I know I didn't get it before. I heard it. But hearing... That won't bring understanding. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words, these sayings of mine and does not do them. Only difference, only difference is the one who hears and doesn't do. That's it. They still heard. Would be like a, what kind of man? Foolish man 
who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not only, and not as the scribes. The fool will hear only. Now the wise man, it says it's like he built his house on the sand, on the sand. Or the, or the, the, the rock, the foolish man built his house on the sand. The wise man's house is built with wisdom. Wisdom comes with understanding. Understanding comes with discernment, knowing what is valuable and what is not. When you have that understanding, when you have wisdom, wisdom is able to see the future at the time of now. It's able to determine what's going to happen down the road. So a wise person looks down the road and sees the storm coming and builds the house in such a way as to withstand the storm. Did you ever watch some of those things they do in the Weather Channel? I, I think I mentioned this to you before. I love this one. It was a hurricane house. This guy made this house to withstand a hurricane. And uh, it, they talked about all the different ways it was done. If water got in, what it was supposed to do. The roof is, is curved. It's uh, designed to have the wind blow over top of it. And the, the glass was all this type. And so they, were, they had, I forget what it was. It's been too long ago since I watched it. But a hurricane was coming through. It's either a three- or a four. I don't think it was a five. I think it was either a three or a four. And the reporter decided to stay in the house with him. And they stayed in the house. Now, the reporter said he probably wouldn't do it again. Because it wasn't a two. It wasn't a one or a two. It was a three or it was a good sized storm. And they stayed there and it was nasty outside. But the house held up. And they did okay. They uh, had had a few things and some scary stuff going on on the outside, but uh, they did all right on the inside. They made this house. It was in somewhere in Florida. They made this house to withstand a hurricane that would come against it, and it did. They had the wisdom to look uh, ahead. And some people, they don't necessarily do that. They uh, One of the same uh, type of shows, they showed a uh, uh, family who had a uh, bait and tackle shop on the water. On the water. It was on stilts. The bait and tackle shop was down below. Their house was up above. On the water. And the hurricane, one of the big ones that went through, remember that year that Florida had all those hurricanes? It was one of the big ones. I don't know if it was Andrew, or, it was, but it was one of the big ones that came through. And they decided to stay. <laughs> oh, man, that was something else to... To see what happened with the, with those folks, and you see all that their house, the one they were in, mostly was still there, and other ones that were down next to them were gone, gone, not destroyed, gone. And that was probably not a very wise decision to stay. That would have been. They're built on what? They're built on sand. I had that the the pilings going into the ground, but they're still built on sand. But a wise man finds a rock, finds something solid. Because he knows this isn't going to move. And if I build my house on this, it's not going to move. When you hear the words of God, you know the words of God are solid. They're not going to move. And I build my house on it. I am a wise man. If I do the things that the word of God teaches me to do. If you don't, you are a fool. That's what he says. Turn over, if you would, to Mark chapter 9. Verse 14, and when he had come to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. This is after the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down with uh, his three disciples, comes down to the other nine. 
So he saw a great multitude around and the scribes were disputing with them, the disciples he left behind. Verse 15, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? I wonder why he didn't just ask his disciples. But he asked the scribes. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who was a mute, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O foolish generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Oh, what kind of generation? Foolish. What is a foolish person according to the other one? You're here, but you don't do. A fool, according to Proverbs, is one who does what he or she feels. Says what he or she feels. A wise person guards what they say. They're careful about what they say. A fool says whatever comes into their head. Whatever they feel at the moment. So the disciples were trying to cast this out and it wasn't working. And he says, he answered him and said, Oh foolish generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. He's not happy. People who walk in foolishness do not please God. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming at the mouth. When was the last time you saw that? <laughs> so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How many things are possible? All things are possible. Now, unfortunately, a lot of Christians get the idea that all things are possible. And so they think of whatever I can imagine is possible. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you believe. Whatever you can believe based on the word of God. You can have. But you've got to base that belief from the word of God. I remember one uh, one minister I was listening to, he was believing God for something big and a lot of people were, were discouraging him and telling him that's not going to happen. And he uh, ran into one minister who uh, also believed for big things. And he says, what do you think about me believing for this? And he turned to him and he says, if you can believe it, it can happen. Or it will happen. And he was encouraged by that. If you can believe it, it will happen. But you've got to believe it from the Word of God. Too many times people are, be are believing things based on stuff they heard, not the Word. Well, I think, well, people have told me that God wants to do that. So I'm just going to believe it. No, do you know it from the Word? It's one of the things we always ask you when you come and you ask for prayer for something. What, what are you standing on? What are you asking God for? What are you believing for? You've got to know. What did Jesus always do whenever somebody came and asked them? For, or came for, for prayer, came for ministry, always found of Jesus' mouth is, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Always. He wants them to say it. He wants them to speak that. They needed to say it. A blind person can come to Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you, blind Bartimaeus? I want to see. <laughs> and you may laugh at Jesus. Why Jesus you have to ask that? 
Because I need them to say it. I need them to speak it. I need them to say these things. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I like what um, Brother Hagin used to teach us. You can believe with your heart and have doubts in your head. But the Word of God tells us to make sure that you believe in your heart. That helped. It set me free on some things. Because sometimes we're trying to get rid of all the doubts in our head. No, believe in your heart. That's it. Now, we don't, we're not spending time on all that. We're, we're even skipping off a whole lot of things here in Mark chapter 9 that we've gotten into before, but we're just looking at it for the wisdom part of it. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Doesn't ever dwell on that whether he was dead or not, just that he looked like he was dead and Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. Verse 28, when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? These are folks that had already cast out demons before. Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee and he did not want anyone to know it. This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. We've talked about this before. I just want to get into a little bit on this. There are no prayer and fasting demons. People come out without an idea that we had to pray and fast in order for this demon to come out. No, there are no prayer and fasting demons. Jesus even tells the people when they ask them about fasting, we don't fast right now. You don't fast when the bridegroom is here. When the bridegroom is gone, they will fast. So right now, Jesus is not fasting, but he cast the thing out. He says, what was the problem? When they said, why could we not cast it out? Did he say because the demon was too tough? He said a simple answer. What was the answer? Because of your unbelief. So when he says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting, he's talking about what? Unbelief. This kind of unbelief comes out only by prayer and fasting. Well, I've been taught this before. There's a residual unbelief that resides in us that we're sometimes not even aware of. And it's under undermining our faith. But prayer and fasting will bring that out. And you and get the benefit of that. Prayer and fasting is good. We haven't we don't always minister on things in prayer and fasting. We talk about it here and there and, and let people know. And, and some folks, I know some of you folks have days of, of uh, pr- prayer and fasting, days that you pray and fast. And I've done that too. I've had days where I prayed and fast. I've had multiple days where I prayed and fast, but something I was taught when I was at school. And I didn't put it into practice right away. I did the other things first. But he was to, he used to teach us. And he used to say that uh, he had his prayer and uh, prayer and fasting days, days that he would just pray and fast and, and so forth. And he said, uh, the Lord spoke to him one time and said, I'd be more pleased if you lived a fasted life. And he, he didn't even know what a fasted life was. And the Lord instructed him on what a fasted life was. He says, when you come to a meal, don't eat all you, that, you, that you want. On a regular basis, don't eat all that you want. Stay away from it. That's a fasted life. And so every day, instead of just uh, one or two days a week, he would be every day mindful of not eating all that you want. Not eating all you want. And I've, I adopted that after a while. I adopted it so much as, uh, as a part of things. Uh, we were talking about this at the men's breakfast uh, just yesterday. But sometimes, you know, we'll go away on vacation. And my family will be astounded because I will eat. 
you don't know how much I can eat. Because most times, I, tr I live a fasted life. Most times, if I go and I have pizza and I'm hungry, I have two slices. I'll order two slices, I'll eat two slices. But I'll tell you, two slices is not my capacity. I have the capacity to eat an entire large pizza. I don't need help with it. I can eat the entire thing. If um, I, I was, if my son and I will order a pizza, and I'll usually eat half of it sometimes on, on those times, uh, and leave the other half for, for him if he, if he wants it. But most times if I'm just by myself, I'll go out and I'll order two pieces, and I'll eat two pieces. I can eat a whole lot more than two pieces. And sometimes, you know, they've, they've, I've gone up in the boardwalk and we'll have pizza. I'll have three, four slices of pizza. I'll come out and I'll have a waffle with ice cream. And I'll have, uh, what else will I have? An ice cream cone. And I'll have uh, french fries. And we'll go off and we'll find something else to eat. And then I'll have dinner. <laughs> I can eat. But I say I keep it under control. Simply because of the teaching on the fasted life. And it helps me out a, a whole lot better to do it that way. There's many days I'll just skip Part of a meal, whole meal, it, because you, you, you got to this unbelief is in your flesh. You got to do war with your flesh to get it under control, to defeat it. That's what you have to do. But we we're not here to talk about that right now. We're here on the wisdom of God. But just uh, since we were on that, if you're having prayer and fasting days, good. But there will be the time you can get into a fasted life and you'll find as uh, I was taught and found out myself, it is better. So they said, why could we not cast it out? Now, a wise person, I think we've went over this before, but a wise person is skilled in what they do. A wise person has understanding, contains discernment. They are skilled in what they do. A wise car mechanic can walk up to a car that's having a problem, hear the problem, and get in there and fix it in no time at all. They're skilled at what they do. Jesus came into a situation in which the disciples couldn't put their finger on the problem, get the thing taken care of. He was skilled at it. He was operating in wisdom. A foolish person is unskilled at what they do. They don't have a proper understanding. The disciples at that time were operating in a foolish capacity because they were unskilled. Why could we not cast it out? Because of your unbelief. You still got some unbelief there. You got to get that out. It's important that you get that out. Because you're going to have to go out there and I'm not going to be with you all the time. You're going to have to do this on your own. The difference is the presence of understanding and discernment along with becoming proficient. We talked about this. That's just a review thing. We need to have understanding. We need a discernment. We need to become proficient at what it is that we're doing. In Luke chapter 11, and he spoke a certain Pharisee, or as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. Now, many of the Pharisees have gotten into a place of being scornful. What does the Word of God tell us in Proverbs about dealing with scornful people? Do not correct them. Don't correct the scornful. It's, not, it's no, no benefit. Don't do it. Walk away. Don't do it. He, and Jesus does not try to correct scornful people. Foolish. Might try and help them out a little bit. Simple. Mostly correction comes to the wise. Because they receive it and they do it. But here this Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. Now if he's coming in, this Pharisee is not a scornful person. This is a, probably a foolish one, but he's not necessarily scornful yet. But some scornful Pharisees did come in. And we'll see that. When the Pharisee saw it, or so he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. How many of you do that habit of washing your hands before dinner? can't always raise my hand on that. 
there are times I just don't uh, necessarily think about it. But it was part of a religious practice for them. Then the Lord said, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but you in inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Jesus says this to them, but I have, to have this question for you. What did the Pharisee ask? When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. Then Jesus said to him, Now you Pharisees make an outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and, and wickedness. He doesn't ask anything, does he? So we're left to wonder, what does he say? Does, does he raise his eyebrows? Does he give that look that you can kind of see somebody? Oh, they are marveling at something and you kind of know what it is. Did Jesus purposely not wash because he was trying to get hold of something to help these folks out? Knowing Jesus, he doesn't do things by accident. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. So he's trying to get a point to them. You work so hard on cleaning the outside, you've forgotten about the inside. You're cleaning the outside of the cup, but inside it's ugly. And you're putting the food on the inside of the cup. You're putting the drink on the inside of the cup. And it's ugly. Your inside is terrible. But you're keeping the outside clean. That's not helpful. It's more important that the inside be clean is what Jesus is trying to get them to understand. The inside needs to be more clean. We still do this today, folks, because we see some outward signs of believers, people who come out to church, people who are believers. We see some outward signs and say, oh, they're still sitting. Oh, they're still smoking. Oh, they're still foul language. Oh, they still do. And we have these things and we see them. And we're concerned that the outside of the cup is not cleaned up. And Jesus says, fool, you got to clean the inside of the cup. you got to keep the inside clean. That's more important than what's on the outside. Eventually, get to the outside. But, but get the inside of it clean. You're, sp you're spending so much time keeping the outside clean, you've forgotten to maintain the inside. And that's the case with the Pharisees. They're making sure that all appearance... To everyone else is, we keep the law. But on the inside, they're determining how they can murder people. How they can undo the teaching of Jesus. How they can ask questions to, to trap him. In the book of Acts, we find out that they see a great miracle done by the hand of God. And they say, we can't deny it. In other words, they would want to. And they try and forbid people speaking in this name that brought such great power. He says... You guys have got to focus on the wrong spot. But what are you Pharisees? For you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and love of God. You ought to have done without leaving these others undone. What are you Pharisees? For you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. What are you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you like, for you are like graves which are not seen and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. So he's saying this, you tithe all, you go all the way down, you look at all the spices that you get, and you make sure that you tithe that. But when you see an opportunity to share the love of God, you don't do it. That's wrong. That's messed up is what he's saying. 
Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, now a lawyer in the New Testament is not a lawyer like we think of a lawyer. A lawyer is a person who is skilled in the law. And if you are wondering, is this lawful for me to do according to the 600 and whatever number of commandments that are in the Old Testament, is this lawful for me to do? They would be able to tell you whether it's lawful, especially since they took the 600 and some odd commandments in the Word of God and made about 2,000 plus commandments to help you fulfill the 600 or so. So you come to a lawyer to say, is it proper for me to do this? And they would help you out with that. That's a lawyer. Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. And he said, to, and he said, woe to you also, lawyers. Jesus knows how to make friends. <laughs> for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. So when you interpret the law, you are telling people you need to do this and this and this, but you yourselves, you don't do it. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them and you build their tombs. What he's saying here is this. You can't say that you don't approve what your fathers did because not only did they may have killed the prophets, but you built the memorials. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them that they will kill and persecute in the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may require of this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, if you have taken away the key of knowledge. You do not enter in yourselves and those who were entering in you hindered. You are not going into knowledge. You are seeing some people who are going into knowledge and you are hindering them from getting there. And he said these things to them. The scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him and many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. They are so concerned about the outside. Look at what's going on on the inside of these folks. This is exactly what Jesus was telling them. You have become so focused on the outside. You have forgotten what is going on on the inside. We got to be concerned that we keep the Word of God. If God said it, we do it. And not do it in such a way that people see that we do it, but do it in such a way that on the inside, I am keeping it. I am more concerned that what I do is seen by God than what I do is seen by men. That's where we need to be. That's a wise person. A foolish person is just trying to be done outwardly to look right. It does not matter how you stand with men. It matters how you stand with God. And there are people that are going to disapprove of some of the things that you're doing. But what does God say? Thank God. We, we talked about this before. Thank God He does not deal with all of our shortcomings as soon as we got born again. Isn't that good? I mean, you get born again and God gives you a list. Here's a list. 40 pages. Working on them now. He doesn't do that. One at a time. He begins to bring them up. Steve, I need you to work on this. And I work on that. And we get that going. And then it's like, all right, that's good. Now, let's go on over to this one. And we begin to work on that. But see, other believers can see some of the other things that are going on in my life. But God's not dealing with me with those just yet. He's saying, Steve, you need to focus on this. And you need to focus on this. And we need to focus on that. And we as believers need to come alongside and help people. Not, not discourage them, but encourage them. You put this in your outline. A fool does what he feels is right. The wise, what he knows 
is right. A fool does what he feels is right. The wise, what he knows is right. The fool has no eye for the future. They live in the now. The fool is not concerned with their lack of knowledge, understanding, or discernment. They have no concern about that. What I have is good enough for me. That's a fool. Well, I don't know everything in the Word of God, but what I know is just getting me along just fine. That's a fool. (laughs) Don't be doing that. A wise man increases knowledge, the Word of God tells us. You need to increase knowledge. You need to increase understanding. The Word of God tells us. Get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Get it. If it says to go get it, we have to go and get it. It doesn't come to us. We have to go and get it. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Of all things we need to get, that's it. James teaches us that if any man lacks wisdom, what should he do? Ask. Put this in your outline. I hope you get a hold of this one. Knowledge, understanding, and discernment are available to all. It's not a gift. It's not a call. It's not something that certain ones are elected to. Knowledge, understanding, and discernment are available to all. It is available to you. It is there for you to have. You can grow in knowledge. You can grow in understanding. You can grow in discernment. There's no special gift, call, anointing to obtain these. Just the command to pursue it. Pursue it. We have often been simple. And simple is damaging. Because if I'm simple, I ask questions that invite bad answers. How many have had something bad going on in your life? And you say, why did God permit this? Why did God allow this? We hear those kind of things all the time. That's a simple question. A simple question will invite a harmful response, a harmful answer. It's not based on knowledge. It's not based on understanding. You need to stop asking questions. You go, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. What's happening? No. Get some understanding on your situation. Well, where am I supposed to get that from? What's the Word of God say? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Wisdom contains understanding. Understanding contains discernment. If I get wisdom, I get those other things as well. And they come to me. And God helps me out. You need to grow in it. You will not grow outside of the wisdom of God. But the wisdom of God will take you on the new heights. The wisdom of God will help you understand things you never understood before. And you will ask questions based out of knowledge, based out of understanding, and you will gain more. You look at the people in the Bible who asked some of the best questions and got some fantastic answers. They asked it born out of knowledge. One of the examples we used before was Daniel. Daniel saw in the Word. He was studying the Word. He saw in the Word, oh, the time of the captivity is over. And he asked God, God, what happens now? He's asking a question born out of revelation, born out of understanding. And God immediately sent an answer. And how long did it take that answer to get to him? Three weeks. Because there was a battle in heaven. And the prince of Persia withstood him. It must have been some powerful answer. It was a question born of understanding. When the understanding came, he realized, I don't know the answer to this. God, you said 70 years. We're at 70 years. What happens now? And God sent him an answer and he told him, here's the next 490 years of history. 
<laughs> wow. And Daniel was so blown away when the answer came, it took him a little while to recover from it. That is a question. That is an answer. You know what? God still wants to do the same thing today. God still wants to do the same thing today. He wants to give you answers. Instead of these crazy religious answers that we have, why did the baby die? Well, God needed another angel in heaven. Dear God, that is stupid. That is a harmful answer. That is a simple answer, and it's wrong. It's garbage. God does not need angels in heaven. He's got all the angels he needs, and people don't become angels. It's a question, it's an answer, born out of ignorance of the Word of God. You need to get knowledgeable in the Word of God and ask some knowledgeable questions. When we get understanding and ask God questions based on understanding, you go through the Word of God, you will find out it got God's attention. Hey, somebody's asking a really good question over here. Let's get the answer to them. And I'll get it to you. But you've got to do some work on your own. Press into the Word of God. Ask God for understanding on it. Ask God a question based on understanding. Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 9, the second half of Acts chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at two particular healing situations. I tried to give you the summary of it in the bulletin, but I, I knew I couldn't get it all into there. We have two situations. These are just kind of two healing things that are kind of thrown in here. What is unique about them is that both of them were not born in this condition and both of them came into this condition. One through an injury, more than likely an injury, and the other through a disease. One person were even told how good of a person she was and she got diseased and died. Have you ever had a physical situation come upon you and you have no idea why it came? As far as you can tell, your life is in good shape. There have been many Christians who have come under that and the answer given to them is, well, God must have some purpose for you having this. And they keep it. If you've ever had that situation go on, don't operate in simplicity. Operate under understanding. We're going to get into that on Wednesday night. That's the, the topic for that one. So it's kind of overlapping our, our wisdom part here. But do you see, don't be simple. Don't be foolish. Certainly don't be scornful. But Christians can get in the area of being simple and being foolish and hinder, greatly hinder their growth. Greatly hinder it. Remember last week we looked at the disciples? Jesus was giving them a teaching. Beware of the Pharisees, or the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees. And they said, it's because we didn't bring bread. And Jesus said, man, you got it. Oh, I'm so glad that... Now, what does Jesus say? Come on, guys. That's what you get? I give you this great teaching. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And you think it's because you didn't bring bread? How many loaves of bread did we have when we fed the 5,000? How many how many loaves were left over when we fed the 4,000? And you think I'm concerned that you brought didn't bring bread? He's upset. But Christians often will read the Bible and come out with a simple understanding of it. And God, God is upset. It's really bad when preachers, teachers, come out with a simple understanding and teach it. I can show you from the Word of God how He deals with some of that. No, we need, to, we need to pursue. God, what is it that you're trying to say here? What is it that you're trying to do? 
we got more to look at. This is kind of just a rough, we just ran through a whole lot of stuff. I want to go through a little bit more of a fine-tooth comb, just giving you the broad picture of it today. And uh, we'll go through a little more fine-tooth comb uh, next week, looking at foolish and simple. Because we've got to make sure that we do not fall in to this category. Because if I receive a simple answer, if I receive a foolish answer, and somebody asks me, I am going to pass that on to them. And that's the, the view they will have of our God. We've got to make sure that the understanding I have is what the Word of God is teaching. That is consistent with the rest of the Word of God. Oh, I tell you what, it's, the Word of God is the most fascinating book to study. It is just, it'll just open up to you and you don't need a special degree. You just need to receive the Holy Spirit who's going to teach you. He is the instructor. He is the helper. More than anything else, the Holy Spirit is described as the giver of truth. That's His number one ministry. The giver of truth. He is here to give you truth. He's here to give you power. But oh, He's here to give you truth. He's here to give you understanding. Lean on Him. I've told you before, my number one study tool of all the things that I have is praying in the Spirit. If I am taking on a passage of Scripture and I don't quite understand what it is, I get on my knees and I just pray in the Spirit for a while. Half hour, hour, whatever it is. I just pray in the Spirit. I let the Spirit of God begin to speak to me about what that is going on. I begin to to see things about what happened before, what happened after. I begin to see how it fits into the whole of things because the Spirit of God is a great teacher. He is the best teacher that we can have. Listen to Him. Do not be a fool. Do not be simple. Be wise. And you can. Every single person in this room can be wise in the affairs of God. Thank God for that. Don't be satisfied with being simple. The verse we saw in Proverbs How long will you be satisfied with being simple? Too many times we've been satisfied with being simple. Would you all stand up with me? (coughs) Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in your word. We see that there were people in the word of God who were scornful. There were people who were foolish. There were people who were simple. And the things that they took, the things that they got, the things that they received were harmful. They hindered their growth. Father, we want to be in the category of those that are wise When wisdom comes to us, we want to recognize it. We want to honor it. We want to treat it with the value that it is. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. That we will not be counted among the simple. We will not be counted among the foolish. But we will pursue the wisdom of God. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Before we go, we wanted to hear what the Lord's done. I saw some uh, of our praise reports come in. If you uh, didn't write down your praise report as we're reading these, you can certainly do so. If you have something that God did for you this week, raise your hand. Ushers will give you a piece of paper you can write that out on. We want to hear from you what it is that God has been doing. We get uh, great encouragement here on what God has done. You can have a seat if you like. Stand up, whatever you prefer to do. But uh, let's hear what the Lord has been doing. She said, God found her an apartment where the landlords are Christians, and so she'll be moving in in December. Praise God. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Will says he thanks God for his family, and he's grateful for his new church family and home. He's thanking God in advance, there's that expectation, for the increase of business for his wife, Paulette, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're thanking God for that 
with you. Um, Ray said, I'm thankful and praise God for this past week. He's answered my prayers for wisdom numerous times. And he said he's relying on him for the coming weeks and years of his favor. Amen. This one's from my daughter. She says, um, at a time when both cars are in the shop, Satan tried telling us we can't fix both. She says, I, I booked two events. She does event planning. She started her own business. She was able to book two events for this year without even trying she said, and was allowed to drive this week for the first time in 11 weeks. Mommy is no longer chauffeur. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is there any others? to do today? Nope.